Amen. As we've already mentioned, this is week two of Advent, and uh, the focus specifically this week for Advent is peace. And uh, last week was the first week of hope, and then, of course, next week is joy and then love. Peace, it, I mean, all, they're all great, right? Who would say all four of those are great? Oh, yeah, they're all great. Peace is my favorite. Peace is my favorite because, to me, if we're walking with Jesus, he gives us peace, and this world is full of not peace. <laughs> Right now, who would agree with that? Yeah, and so this, this one's my favorite. Um, last week we did look at hope, and we looked at the, the song, Come Now, Long Expected Jesus. This is week two of series that we're doing with this, at, along with the Advent season, where we're looking at various Christmas carols. And so last week was Come Now, Long Expected Jesus, and we talked about three things. We talked about a hunger for God's presence. We talked for a hunger for God's purpose that we saw there in the song and why Jesus came. He was born to set people free. He was born to deliver people. He was born to be king. He was born to reign forever. And then also a hunger for hope. And that hope was shown both in the past. We have that hope in present and we have that hope for the future. And so if you missed last week and you want to catch up on that it's available on our website you can watch the video you can go listen on the podcast however you want to do that's there next week we will talk about joy and we'll look at hark the herald angels sing and talk about joy and then the next week of course love and we'll be looking at the song god rest ye merry gentlemen so today is peace and uh, we're going to look at the song what child is this what child is this uh, when I hear the, the, that question, what child is this? What, another question that comes to mind is, whose kid is this? Anyone with me? Whose kid is this? A anyone heard someone yell, whose kid is this? And you quickly turned looking, hoping they weren't talking about your kid. Anyone? A was anyone ever that kid? <laughs> I see some hands going up. I just saw a parent raise someone's hand. Um... <laughs> They're that kid. You never really wanted to be that kid. And I'm sure I'm looking at some faces and they're probably thinking that was, my, that was me many times. I'm not admitting it now though. Um, a couple of times of that in my life, just thinking of that, uh, whose kid is this? Um, one, one where I was the kid and another where, um, where I was the dad in the situation. And now I've got people sitting over here to my left wondering what stories I'm getting ready to tell. Um, the first one, I was seven years old, and I uh, went with my dad. My dad was a runner, and he, he was running. I don't remember if it was a 5K, 10K, whatever. He was running, and I went, and he had signed me up for the fun run, which was, I think, a one-mile or two-mile fun run. And uh, he'd signed me up, and so they were starting their, their race, and all those doing the longer race took off first, and they were running, and then I took off, and then those doing the fun run went after that. And at least this is how I remember it. If I'm wrong, my dad's sitting over here. He can correct me later. And you can go talk to him to see if the details are right. But uh, so I'm doing the fun run. And uh, I, I do the run run and finish it up. And it's done. And we're finished. And so um, apparently... <laughs> I remember the story that I finished in third place. My dad says I finished in first. 
I, I don't know. I just, it was a yellow ribbon. So to me, who gets a yellow ribbon for, for first, right? You get yellow for third, but whichever it was. And they were trying to find out who I belonged to, whose kid is this, you know? And, uh, and because it was, my dad was running the race. So um, from what I understand, they went and found him on the race and said, hey, your son ran the two mile, finished third or, or first, whatever. And uh, they said, you know, you need to, he, he's there by himself, whatever you need to come. Well, I said, apparently that was enough motivation to get him going to try to finish better in the race as well. And eventually, but the question was, whose kid is this? The other one that I remember, I was the dad and uh, my oldest son, Brandon, was in, eight, was in eighth grade in middle school at the time. And I got a phone call from his principal one day. I can just stop right there to let you guys think. And, uh, and so, and end up having a good conversation with the principal. Good conversation. And Brandon gets home, and I decide to use this as an opportunity and say, Brandon, I got a phone call from your principal today. Is there anything you want to tell me? Dad, I didn't turn in this assignment, and I meant to do it, and there's, uh, I got another one that I'm a little bit late on, but I'm going to do that, and, and you know, it, it's going to get done, and I'm like, well, that's not why he called, but thanks for sharing that information, so I know where you're at. So, um, the reason he called was because Brandon's an eighth grader, uh, had one section where they spent lunch, and then the fifth graders had a different section that they had lunch, and uh, they often played with the ball, and sometimes the ball would come over to where the eighth graders are, and most of the eighth graders, according to the principal, when the ball came over there, it basically became the eighth grader's ball they wouldn't give it back to the fifth graders. Well, the ball headed that way in this particular time, and Brandon grabbed it and took it back to the fifth graders. And the principal was like, I've never seen this. Whose kid is this? You know, how's he done this? And so he went and found out and had to call me and just say, I just don't see this, you know, to tell me, you know, what Brandon had done. So then I got to tell Brandon, well, no, actually the principal called for this reason. So great job, proud of you. You know, when someone asks whose kid is this, I was like, that's my kid. I'm happy with that. So when I think about this song, those are the kinds of things we think about. And, and, and I chose two positive stories just then because I think this question, when answered, what child is this, is an extremely positive answer. What child is this? And so um, we just sang the first verse. I want to read. I want to read the song for us. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Whom angels greet with anthems sweet, while shepherds watch are keeping. Why lies he in such mean estate, where ox and ass are feeding? Good Christian fear for sinners here, the silent word is pleading. So bring him incense, gold, and myrrh. Come peasant, king to own him. The king of kings salvation brings. Let loving hearts enthrone him. This, this is Christ the King, whose shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him laud, the babe, the son of Mary. Father, we thank you for this, this song, these words that, that you gave someone to write that we get to sing and look at today. Lord, there's, there's a lot of truth here in the song. And Father, I pray as we look at this and as we look into your word today 
that you will open our ears, open our hearts uh, to receive your spirit and what you're trying to say to us. Lord, so that we could be more like you and even more so that we can be a light for you in this dark world that so desperately needs you. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So What Child Is This? Uh, written by William Chatterton Dix in the year 1865. Uh, at the time that he wrote this hymn, uh, he uh, was serving as a manager of an insurance company and he had gotten very critically sick. And so it was during his recovery of this critical sickness that he wrote a number of hymns, wrote a number of songs during that time, during his recovery, because during that recovery, he really kind of had um, a rebirth, a spiritual, you know, just renewal that took place in his life. And so he expressed his thankfulness and uh, wrote some songs that, that the Lord had given to him. Uh, the, the tune is to the tune of Green Sleeves, and, uh, which is a traditional English folk song. And so back in that time, so that people would know how to sing the song, they often used the same tunes for different songs. I can imagine maybe that might be confusing sometimes. Uh, what words are we using this time? Uh, maybe it was where you were at. If you're in church, you sang, what child is this? If you were somewhere else, maybe you knew to sing something else to that tune. I, I don't know how it worked, but that's how they did things. Um, there in Great Britain, that's where it was written, that's where it was sung initially, but it's actually become more popular here in the States than what it is overseas uh, there in England. So the lyrics are actually uh, taken from a poem that, that William wrote called The Manger Throne. And so there's a longer poem that goes along with that. And this is just a part of that that's utilized for, for the songs and three stanzas. The first verse really asks that rhetorical question, what child is this in the first half? And then it proceeds in the second to kind of respond to that and give an answer. And, uh, and then in the final one, really that appeal to everyone for salvation. When, when you really try to picture the song in your head, it really paints a great picture of what we consider a traditional nativity. There's Jesus with his mom, Mary on his lap, observing this moment are both the shepherds and the angels surrounding, just like we would see in a regular nativity. Uh, if, if you were around uh, Friday night, we had the opportunity as, as a church to be the live nativity down at the Christmas uh, festival downtown. And uh, so we got to play some of those roles. We didn't play any of the animal roles. Uh, they brought in animals for those. But we got to play these other roles. Um, the second verse talks about the lowly place in which Christ has been born. Looking at the manger, looking at the surrounding where the animals were, and really holds on to the fact that this truly is a lowly place, but also looking at the fact of what is going to be before him and the anguish that he'll go through as he goes to the cross. And then the last one, referencing the gifts brought by the Magi, the incense, the gold, and the myrrh, inviting all from peasant to king to a saving knowledge of the Christ, the King of Kings. I think about that, from peasant to king. And when I think about that, I wonder how, 
how good of a job we do as a church in being inviting from peasant to king. And if you think about that as a spectrum, as a line from peasant to king, where, where do we tend to land in our welcoming of people? Do we, do we stretch the whole spectrum? Or do we tend to favor one side or the other? I look around and we have been blessed with a great facility, have we not? We've been blessed with it. And, and it looks, looks pretty good in here, huh? <laughs> Are we inviting to the outsider that might fit on either end of those? Are we intentionally being friendly and inviting people in as we notice people that we maybe don't recognize or know? Do we expect people to dress more like a king? And if they're a peasant, change how they dress or how they look in order to be welcome here? These are all questions I ask. I'll be honest, I don't know the answer to all these questions. <laughs> I'm throwing them out because these are things that I struggle with. What's it mean to look right? How do people feel when they come through those doors? Someone that we might consider a peasant, if they come, would they even come through our doors? What's our reputation? If they came through, how would they feel? Would they feel uncomfortable with us? Again, I don't know the answer. If you got some answers to some of these questions, come talk to me because I need to help. We need to be praying about these things. Do we show a salvation that's accepting and open from peasant to king? I think that William Chatterton Dix does a great job answering the question, what child is this throughout this song? Um, but today, I, I think we're going to look at a little different section and answer this question by looking at 1 John, I mean, I'm sorry, John chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to John chapter 1. John 1, I'm going to read verses 1 through 5 and then skip and begin reading in verse 9. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. So there are six things in here this morning that I see that stand out that answer the question, what child is this? 
Six different things. There might be more. You could dive in. We could probably come up with more. But these are the six that I want us to look at real quick this morning. And I have different scriptures and I have them marked here in my Bible. So I'm going to be flipping around and you can try to keep up if you want. But I might go a little quick. So, But six different things. First one is this. Eternal. Eternal. What child is this? This is the eternal child. He's eternal. Do you understand? When I think about eternal, uh, definition of eternal, without beginning or end, always existing. Anyone understand what that looks like or what that means? You understand that? I'll be honest. My brain does not comprehend eternal. If anything, when I think eternal, it... If I'm ever feeling big about myself like I'm anybody, I just think about the fact that God is eternal. Because guess what? I'm not. Anyone in here claim to be eternal? (laughs) No one can make that claim. Only God. God is eternal. God is eternal. Uh, Psalm Psalm 90 verse 2 says, Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Okay, so if we put everlasting on this side, and then we put everlasting on this side, God ranges through all of that. Can we understand that? I don't understand that. Anytime I think I'm somebody, I'm just like, nope, because I can't even understand that. That's who God is. Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, we're familiar with this one. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come. And the next two words, the Almighty. The Almighty. So he's eternal and the Almighty. To a world that doesn't know him or understand him, a being that will, one, God is real, and the fact that, it's, that this being is eternal and the Almighty to a, God, to a world that doesn't understand that, I could see why there would be fear. For me, though, to know that, that he's eternal and almighty, doesn't it bring a totally different feeling, comfort, of peace? What child is this? This child is eternal. Second one, what child is this? This child is creator. One who creates, specifically creator of everything. That, that's what, and then it said God. That's what it said in the, in the definition. Creator of everything, God. Creator. Um, Nehemiah 9 verse 6. Let me find it. Okay. Okay. You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heaven, and all their starry host, and the earth and all that is on it, and the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. And so that's talking about God. So if you flip over to Colossians uh, chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. It says, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Through who? The Son, Jesus. Who is this child? What child is this? He's the creator. He's the creator. 
One of the things I'll never understand is why people, uh, to me, it takes a lot more faith to believe that we got here by accident than it does to believe even in an intelligent design. It takes a lot more faith. I just don't even understand that. And even if you're just looking at intelligent design, uh, a documentary slash film that came out, oh, I don't know, it's been a long time now, um, over 10 years ago, 12 years ago, uh, called Expelled, uh, about a guy who believed in uh, intelligent design and him showing intelligent design and how our, through science and everything, how things fit together. Uh, It's a great one. Go watch if you've never seen it. It's called Expelled. But gets atheists actually to admit, well, I, I guess there's nothing else you have shown me. Yes, there had to have been something. And it was really funny what they thought it was. But if you've ever seen it, Expelled, it's great. But how people can't even at least admit to intelligent design is beyond me. Because to believe this all happened by accident takes more faith than it does to believe that this was put here by, some, by a God or by intelligent design. The reality is God made it all. Third thing I see in here is giver of life. Giver of life. What child is this? He's a giver of life. Having the ability to impart life. One, physically, but the other part that's exciting to me is spiritually. We have the first birth, our first birth, our physical birth, but then we have opportunity for second birth. And that's the birth spiritually that he gives us. He's the giver of life. And these verses, scriptures that we know well, that we've seen before, John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Who wants life to the full? That comes through our spiritual birth. Not through good times, not through uh, the things of this world, but it comes through spiritual birth. John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. He's the giver of life. Third thing, or fourth thing that we see here. What child is this? He's the true light. True light. Light is something that makes things visible or affords illumination. John 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He's the light, and then he does what? He gives the light, and now we have the light. What do we do with our light? What do we do with our light? Do it. Who's thinking of a song right now? Anyone thinking of a song? Do we hide it under a bushel? What? That was terrible. Do we hide it under a bushel? No. You guys don't sound convinced. Do we hide it under a bushel? That was better. This side won. (laughs) Revelation 22, verse 5. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light. And they will reign forever and ever. What are we doing with our light? What are we doing with our light? I believe God gives us opportunities every day to shine our light. 
Are we looking for those opportunities? Do we recognize that that light is inside? Ever have that moment where you feel like you're in darkness? Guess what? You're not. That's the enemy trying to convince you of something other than who you are. That light is in you. And we don't hold that light inside. We look to shine that light wherever God leads us. What child is this? He's the true light. Fifth one, Emmanuel, God with us. Again, we're back to God's presence. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. We talked, we spent a lot of time in this one. I shared a lot of scriptures last week about this. God promises over and over and over, I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Where two or three are gathered, there I am then with you. God is with us because we are gathered here in Jesus' name this morning. He is here with us. Have you felt it this morning? He's so good. We go all the way back to Genesis when God set Adam and Eve in the garden. He was there with them and sin, and came, sin came into the world and broke that and took away that relationship. But that's why Jesus came. What child is this? He's the child that restores God's presence with us. The last one that I got here, number six, advocate. Advocate. What child is this? He's our advocate. Advocate means to speak or write in favor of. Jesus speaks in favor of us. Who likes that idea? To support or urge by argument, to recommend publicly. Jesus claims us to his Father. Jesus claims us publicly. This is our adoption. This is how we become children of God. Hebrews 9, verse 24. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven himself now to appear for us in God's presence. Jesus, what child is this? The one that appears for us in God's presence. I'll take it. <laughs> First John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. My dear, my dear children, and I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. This is what Jesus does for us. He's our advocate. What child is this? This is the child that is eternal, that is the creator that is the giver of life, that is the true light, that is Emmanuel, that is our advocate. So the question is, what does this mean for you this Christmas season? I'm going to ask the worship team to come, and we're going to sing this song again. I I'll tell you, as they're coming, what this means for me is it means peace. I can have peace because Jesus is all of these things for me. I can have peace because the eternal creator of everything who has given me life shows me the way, walks with me, and speaks on my behalf. And because of that, I can have peace. If you have anything, if you have turmoil in your life, I'll tell you what, are you holding on to these six things? 
Because when I think about these six, th six things, I, I can't help but have peace. If I'm looking at the reality of who Jesus is, what child this is, then it's going to bring me peace. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? How do you answer the question, what child is this? I'm going to ask you to stand, we're going to pray, and then we're going to sing. If God is speaking in your heart, if you're saying, I need to know this advocate, I, I don't understand what this means. We'd love to talk with you. We're going to be, the elders are going to be in the prayer room out there after, after the service. If we're singing the song and you need to talk or you need to pray, our altars are open, please come. We'll come pray with you here. We don't, we don't have to go back there. We can pray with you here. How do you answer the question, what child is Father? We thank you for your word. We thank you that you are all those things, eternal, creator, giver of life, true light, Emmanuel, advocate. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.